Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is Taming the Data Security Beast. And we have Leon Ravenna, Chief Information Security Officer with Car Auction Services. Hey, Leon, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Very good. So we are talking data security here. And as you and I both have seen, that we are trying to manage this data as it flows through the organization. And now we've introduced cloud in different flavors, whether it's on-premise, hybrid cloud, public cloud, you name it. So, so data, when it is there in different places, first is how do you find where they are? Because there are some nooks and corners which are not even visible sometimes. And then secondly, as it goes through its life cycle, we want to keep it secured. How do we make that all happen? And with the complexity of digital, which means even more data is pouring in at velocity and volume and variety, this is not becoming any easier. So if I were to request you to please inventory the top challenges that are preventing us from tackling it, because I know it is morphing, but we still have to do something about it. What would those be? What would be those most pressing challenges? Sure. So when, when people think about data, they tend to think about, about it in the context of a, a data center. So I have all my stuff in the data center, and it hasn't been that way for years and years. Um, one, of the, one of the first things people need to understand is that they, whether or not they believe they have data in the cloud, they probably do, um, they, they may have data in multiple clouds. So you'll see... Um, organizations that didn't think they had anything. They have data in Amazon. They have data in Azure, um, maybe a little bit in uh, Google. And then the, the second piece of that is the, is the services. And the, the thing that people don't think about a lot is the free services. So I can sign up for a Box account or a Dropbox account or Slack or AHA, and, and I can use it, except you're, you're not really abiding by the terms and conditions if you are a corporation. And so you need to license those. And so one of the things that, um, that I've worked with people on in the past is understanding and, and quite frankly, making sure that you are, are square with the provider. So going out to the boxes and the Dropbox of the world to, to make sure you have a list of accounts that, are, that belong to your organization and then paying for those as you're supposed to and pulling them in so they can be accessed in a right and proper way. Um, the, this may be burying them behind single sign-on, um, so you can make sure you know that you're going to the correct, uh, quote-unquote, vanity URL for one of those companies, and that you can't get to those things outside the organization. Now, when you do see those places where you're going and you're finding that there are certain you know, these, these things that you sort of talk about, uh, the long terms and conditions, which I do not know if I've ever read or I can read and make sense of. Are we expecting people to suddenly become so cautious that they'll have an attorney or, or someone from their general counsel's office to sit next to them every time when they sign up for a public cloud? Is that in, in the works or is that even in place as we see it today? Otherwise, if it's not, that's more work for you. Yeah, and, and realistically, you know, you, you can't guard against the fact that people can sign up for services. I mean, it, it's easy enough to use your web filtering and web content filtering to, to block out file sharing. Um, but what you end up finding is that, you know, typically you're going to have your legal folks that need to share fi- large files with, you know, uh, outside counsel. You're going to find that that there is, is a definite business use case, but it's, you, can use, um, you can use tools, CASB tools. You can use things like uh, Palo Alto looking for, here's what's flowing through my system to start to get a handle on what accounts I have and then go and say to those companies, you know, and, and someone will come to you. They will say, hey, I see that, you, that your company has uh, signed up for you know, X number of accounts, um, do you want to, you know, go ahead and, and, and do that for everybody as the first start? Um, but to your original question, 
people are not going to you know sit with a lawyer every time they do anything on the on the internet but it's it, it is a a process of being vigilant and understanding how how your process and workflow actually happens within the organization so if we build they don't usually come if you tell them please watch for terms and conditions or watch for the gotchas people don't cuz they are so excited and so consumed with the outcome they are looking for using that tool that they just want to get through it quickly. And if we we try to create stumbling blocks or obstacles in their way, you are seen as a no person or someone who's causing more nuisance versus helping. How do you think anyone can get over that hump? So the the way that, that I have seen that work in the past is that we pull those groups in. So we'll use Box as an example. Um, get a list of accounts, go to, to those people and say, look, we're going to license this appropriately, and then we will make it easy via things like single sign-on. You don't have to log in. We will take care for those things, and we'll take care for that as a service not necessarily as you have to to manage this on your own, because quite frankly, what what I have to be concerned about is where the data is and what that data is and how how you handle that sprawl, because in in most cases organizations haven't thought about where is all of my data. They still think it's you know it, it's kind of kind of constrained to you know these couple places that we know it is, but in reality it's it's all over. So it, to your point about you know not being the no guy, it's the here's how we can help you make it easier. Um, there's always going to be some some level of you know there there is some level of constraint. You know you can only use certain services, um, but at the at the far end, once you have turned the services on that that are right and proper for your organization, you can then turn around and, and block the rest of them if you choose. So there's there's a way to be kind of that that no K N O W um, security person, not necessarily the guy that always says no. Now, in in this response that you gave, the premise is that if we come to know that somebody's using a tool, right, a box or whatever other tool that we talk about, that means we are going to discover the wrongdoing and then take corrective measures means we will play catch-up, which is okay. It's better than nothing. But then do you think there is a way for us to get a little more proactive and get people to feel obligated to inform you that I am interested in this service? Please see how it can be done without me creating more problems or, or creating more risk for the organization. Sure. I mean, the, you're always going to have some some legacy pieces. You're always going to have some things that, you know, hey, we, we found out about this. Let's go, let's go correct it. And not in a punitive way, but in a, hey, here's, we understand that there is a business process that needs to be addressed. So let's, let's help you provide that function that's necessary. And quite frankly, part of it ends up being organizationally when you are looking at new tools you need to go through the you know the, the right and proper procurement channels. Um, you know there there is the case for you know examining uh, the, on the punitive side, examining T and E um, charges, examining things like uh, procurement cards. For are there things being procured outside of the the procurement organization, and then pulling those back in again, not in a punitive way. So let's make sure that we're doing things properly and then making sure that when you go to buy things, you're running those, you know, past your legal folks, past your security folks. Um, we end up reviewing a huge number of contracts for vendors and for customers just to make sure that we understand the, the security, the privacy provisions that are in there and make sure that we're not signing up for, for something in error. And uh, and as you said, you know, most people don't bother reading the the many pages of of a license agreement or you know 
most most anything. They just press the accept button, and uh, and there's some interesting stuff buried inside of those. But it's it's more about us helping people to get their job done as opposed to standing like the roadblock in the way. What would you say is a good benchmark for? good or adequate data security? Because as you mentioned, that there will be always something that we are patching or plugging the holes. Mm-hmm. For the most part, that could be part of daily life of CISO and the troop. But then what would you do to make sure that we create a holy grail or a blueprint of this is what data security should be? These are the threshold values above which we should play in terms of risk prevention. Or, or, or detection and later intervention. What does yeah, that so, blueprint look like? Um, realistically, that things are always changing, and you can't you, you can't say here is the benchmark, and you know it's never going to change. Um, there will always be things that that come up. Um, there's there's monthly. Um, Things that come out from Adobe and Microsoft, and uh, and there's always something something happening. So you can't really say I can I can accommodate for everything. Um, I don't know anybody that's uh, that is is perfect, um, no matter how much money they've spent. But I, I think the 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 focus when you start to look at what is what are the things that we have to do to make sure that we are providing a secure environment. Number one, it's it's the basics. You know the, uh, you know at at your house, you know if you if you ignore your furnace, you're going to end up on the coldest day of the winter with no heat, and so you have to be doing normal maintenance, and those normal maintenance and due diligence things are are your patching, are making sure that your things like uh, SSL certificates are are up to date, and you know there's there's the due diligence stuff that is the the ongoing. You know, not not very sexy part of security. It's just just diligence and getting those things done. And you can you can add any number of tools. Um, there are I end up seeing probably thirty to forty you know emails, voicemails a day on hey, I have the best new product ever, and you know, and trying to sort through those, you're you're basically looking at what is right for my organization? What are the threats that we're actually trying to guard against? You know, if you as an organization, um, say you make shoelaces and, you're, and you are trying to guard against uh, nation-state attacks, probably the wrong thing to try and, and guard against. So it, it, the first is understanding what your threats are. You know, typically an actor is going to do an action to an asset because of their motivation for a result. So, you know, it's, I'm going to do something, and it's typically I want to harm somebody, I want to, I want to make money, um, and it's understanding what those threats are, and then once you have an understanding of what the threats are, then crafting the things that start to make sense for your organization. You know, there are some basics that people will always need. You know, you, you're always going to need some type of, of antivirus. You're always going to need the ability to to encrypt machines. You're always going to need the ability to look for, you know, blocking bad content and things like spam. You know, a typical organization is going to see, you know, 80 to 90% of the mail that actually comes into their organization should be dropped because it's junk and it's just not, not appropriate. Um, and so there are there are the basic things, but then you start to get into how am I looking for threats? What are the threats I anticipate? Do I anticipate you know uh, corporate espionage? Do I anticipate somebody trying to steal intellectual property? And building those uh, defenses around what the threats are. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Leon, when we come back, there would be a a good conversation to be had on balancing the cost versus the value or rather risk mitigation because there is nothing like a 100% secured environment. And organizations, of course, would like to have that, but then they'll have to spend a million dollars a day. Mm -hmm. How does an organization decide on 
data security, let's take this as the scope since that's what we're talking about today, that this is the level at which we have to stay because this is going to cost me less than $900,000 and that is acceptable to me. Where does the security level and the cost equation, uh, how, how do you go about even creating that equation for an organization? Because you cannot always have 100% security and then you cannot spend all your revenue on just making the organization secure. That's being practical. So how do you go about right. it? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Leon, when we look at balancing the cost versus risk, you know, it's an age old problem, no perfect solution, but there has to be some form of equation building approach which will allow you to eventually get to a point where you say, okay, if I'm going to spend X number of dollars, this is just going to get me enough risk prevention or mitigation that it will make business sense. What are the tenets of uh, of this and how do you how does one approach it? As you as you look at, you know, how much do you spend, how big is the organization, you start to ask yourself again, what are the threats that I'm worried about? Again, if I make shoelaces, I, there's not a lot of people who are going to come to me and, and try and steal my intellectual property. Um, but what you're looking at is understanding the data that you have, and you may have regulatory concerns. You may have, you know, if, if you're in the, in the healthcare space, you're in the education space, you have laws that you have to abide by. If you're taking credit cards, you're going to be in the PCI space. Um, so there's a there's a certain level of things that you're going to have to hit no matter what um, to be able to accommodate those regulatory pieces, those compliance pieces, um, and then it gets to the threats that you're trying to protect. You know, the a lot of people end up tying things to customer contracts. So customer says I have to do X Y Z, and if you're in the the banking space, those are going to be stiffer requirements than if if you're in you know, some of the the more manufacturing spaces that don't have as much personal data. There's a, you know, with, with the advent of GDPR and CCPA, um, states and countries are starting to, to tell you, here's how things have to work. There's also other compliance things that are starting to, to roll out. There's things, quite frankly, like modern slavery. Um, there's things around sustainability that people are going to start to have to answer as to how does my organization actually get stuff done. And those all get essentially tossed in a blender to say, okay, to accommodate a wide range of, of things that, that an organization has to deal with, here are the things that, that we have to set out 
as our core tenants. So, you know, we're going to protect our individuals. We're going to protect the machines they use. Uh, we're going to protect the outer perimeter and the um, the, the soft edges, be it the AWS or, Amazon, or um, sorry, Azure or Google. Um, and those things all have a cost. And some companies, quite frankly, will say, well, I can deal with, you know, whatever the fine may be. However, you know, in, in the last two days, you've had uh, British Airways fine $230 million for um, GDPR issues. You've had Marriott fine $99 million for GDPR issues dating back to 2014 when they bought Starwood. Um, and it's around due diligence of the acquisition. So it, it's you start to look and say, well, can I pay the fine? That's pretty stiff. Um, so you start to set a, a threshold that says, here are the things that are important to my organization, and in this um, in this pathway that we're going to get them, the most important things first: protect my individuals, protect our, protect my company's data. Then getting into some of the the more esoteric things: do you want to probe the dark net? Do you want to to see if there's threats that are coming um, coming out that way? You know, how well are you getting back to, you know, some of the basics? Again, you know, it, you can't overstate, are you doing your routine due diligence? Are you getting the, the basics done? Um, again, because those are the, the maintenance things that, that tend to break. Now, when you look at the data, which, of course, we know the data is everywhere, and I did mention as part of the introduction is it's just invisible and not so visible crevices in the organization. Do you think organizations, before they try to secure it, have started working towards pulling all of that out, putting it on a single pane of glass, see how it is flowing, so that they can invite you and say, folks, help us secure it? And so that would be ideal, um, but ideal is not the world that most of us live in. most organizations don't understand the data they hold. And so what you end up finding out is that you may have thought you hold some of the basics, name, address, email, phone number, um, but you also happen to hold Social Security number for some reason. Um, historically, what, what I've seen in, in the U.S. is that people will try and gather as much data as possible with the notion that, well, we can monetize this later, but then you've got years and years of personally identifiable data that puts your organization at risk. So some of the, some of the tenets of the, the new privacy laws are around data minimization. What do I actually need to hold, and, what, and how do I manage that? So if you, if you have a system that's you know, there's still systems in place that are, you know, 30 plus years old, and you've got 30 years of data. You know, if if you have an issue with that system, how are you going to go tell 30 years worth of people that you had an issue? Um, understanding the data and building that that data map for your organization, guaranteed, it will look like a cracked windshield. Um, essentially, you're going to have data moving from system to system, and you will see. If you if you do the diligence on this, you will see data moving from system A to system B internally to system B externally, and then you have to ask yourself the question: Do I sell that data? Do I share that data? Um, but building building that that logical data map is is difficult because in a lot of cases people don't know. Um, it, but guaranteed, if it doesn't look like a cracked windshield and a badly cracked windshield, um, you, you probably haven't done the, the due diligence necessary. But ideally, um, the first step is to start with what data do I have, what data do I protect, because you can start adding controls to those systems that hold your, your most sensitive data. So would you say you'll have to sit, wait, and watch for, say, the CIO's group? or the chief data officer, whosoever is as a data guardian or custodian, to give you a blueprint and then you can get started? Because otherwise, why would you be left or you should be holding the bag if there is a data breach because you were not even able to get all the data or the snapshot of where it is at least today and how it's being run? Why would you own it? 
You shouldn't. Yeah, right? the, it has to be a a, a relationship between um, CISOs, CIOs, uh, chief data officers, to make sure that that you understand what's actually happening. Um, the the location I work today, I have phenomenal relationship with the CIO and his management team. So we we work hand in hand on a number of things. Most organizations don't have that luxury. Um, but you can't wait for that to be handed to you. Um, if it doesn't exist today, it, it's critical that you know where that data is and what sensitive data you have, and quite frankly, what sensitive data you send. You know, depending on the organization. Again, if you're if you're in the healthcare space, you have to know you're dealing with people's healthcare information or they're with their lives. You you have to protect that. Um, again, based on the organization that you're in and the threats you have, it's, it will help you decide what to do, but quite frankly, without having an understanding of the data that you hold, you're, you're, you're fighting blind. You don't have the ability to, to know that if, if for some reason a, a system is being attacked and it doesn't have um, sensitive data, doesn't have personal data. Maybe it has, uh, you know, in our case, it might have vehicle data. Is that valuable? It, it's not nearly as valuable as as something that would hold Social Security, credit cards, and, and things like that. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about the common benchmark. So uh, as you mentioned, Leon, there should be a relationship between the data leaders, the CIO, and the CISO. Now, even though you have relationships, but at the same time, if there was not a common understanding of what that data quality be, then there should be no responsibility attributed to the CISO to be able to secure it. So is this fuzzy? Is there some more clarity needed? Are the way these things being handled, could that be improved in terms of common benchmarks and standards and, and level of visibility into the data? So that before we say, let's go and secure something, we have that in place. And I know if there, even if there is a shift in, in the environment and the data volume and variety and velocity keeps changing, but it, is, it should be first be the baton should be first, uh, first held by the data and the CIO leaders or the information leaders before it is handed over to the security leaders because you are more at the tail end. But is that the right way? What kind of common benchmarks? How do you make it happen? Let's discuss all that when we come back. Please, please stay tuned, listeners. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You 
You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sanjay Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So there are relationships among the different information data and security leaders, but that's not enough. You got to have common standards and benchmarks and data security should be everyone's responsibility. But what's happening in that regard? Are we just discussing challenges or we are thinking solutions? Leon. Yeah, I, from a solution standpoint, um, you're going to look at things like ISO 27001. You're going to look at NIST on a, a CSF or something like that. If, if you don't have something that you are benchmarking against today, um, I strongly recommend that you go do it. And realistically, the, uh, the NIST uh, CSF framework is probably one of the easier ones to align to. And uh, it's not, not as stringent as some of the, the, the other NIST standards. And I, I think the, going back to your, your original question on relationships or your thought there, um, it is a shared relationship. You know, the, there's too many times where the, you know, something happened and it's, well, it's the CISO's fault because he didn't anticipate or didn't think about it. Um, again, one of the things that, that we have, that I have today, is a great relationship with CIO, with IT, um, working with them to, to help make them better because what we're trying to do is make sure that we are building trust for our customers. And you know, that's one thing that a lot of the tech companies have done very well is they have all of the, um, all of the standards. If you look at an Amazon, you look at a Microsoft, I mean, they have all of the, the appropriate standards and, and guidelines in place. So you can get a, a SOC 2, you can get ISO 27001, you get all those things from them. And, uh, but realistically, and if, if you don't have something in place today, it is critical to think about what do I benchmark against? Because I can't really tell, you know, am I weak in a, you know, how I respond to an incident or am I weak in detecting an incident? And that's where, if you don't have something, I would probably look at the, the NIST CSF framework just to be able to, to start thinking about how you start to paint the picture for, you know, there's, there's areas that when you, uh, NIST CSF ends up building you a spider graph, and it will show you, hey, I'm weak in this area. That's where you want to be able to translate this to, I need to do these five things um, to increase our diligence there, and I may have to go buy a system. That's where you start to use those things to, to measure, I need to go spend this much money because I need to raise that score from, you know, from three to five. And there are, uh, there are a number of, on the outside, there's a number of companies today that will rate the outside of your network. Um, there's the bit sites, the risk recons, the security scorecards, that are passively looking at people's networks and then providing a score. And so what you, you may end up seeing in the, in the next uh, six to nine months, it's already started happening, but people are using those scores from a third-party vendor management standpoint. So people are rating you on the outside of your network to how you do due diligence. And so if you don't have a way to say, I am starting to rate myself, somebody's going to do it for you and you're not going to be very happy with the outcome. Now, you mentioned about relationship and you explained about these different uh, standards and frameworks. But on on the ground as a reality, do you think the data officers, the, the information officers, and the security officers are so thick when it comes down to, to the real stuff that the, the other two, other than the security officer, will take the bullet for the security officer? Or they are saying, yes, we have a great relationship, but we are struggling ourselves, so we are not able to give you what you want, so you cannot secure the fort, so you're on your own when it comes to you getting fired. Yeah, and, and realistically, from a, um, you know, a, a very cynical approach would say there's somewhere between a million and three million open jobs right now in the security space, so it, there's somewhere to go. <laughs> Again, that's, that's very cynical, but, you know, realistically, the... the I spend a lot of time working with with the CIOs and with folks that, that control data for businesses to understand that it is a shared responsibility. 
there are things where, you know, building that relationship, as, as hard as it may be, um, particularly if you report to the CIO, um, that that can be more difficult. And in my case, I've always reported to the, to the CFO. Um, so there's, it's a separate budget, separate, separate way of doing things. Um, but it really comes back to how much, and in, in this, this, I say, goes back to the, the CISO reaching out. Um, it can't be, here's what you will do, and here's how you do it. There has to be an understanding of of relative risk. So when you when the CIO says, "Look, I I need to deliver feature functionality," that's fine. Let's build security into your process so it becomes part of everyday life, not necessarily something that gets tacked on the end. So an example of that is as people are looking to do new systems. Okay. If you take the approach of, gosh, we should encrypt everything in that database, whether you, whether you have sensitive data or not, um, you may at some point in time. And so I don't want to come back and tell you, oh, you have to stop two years in because now you're collecting something that is sensitive. I would much rather say, I know those systems are encrypted. We have that level of protection. I'm okay if you do new things. So it, it's, it's working more towards the front end as opposed to the back end. And that's where, the, where driving the relationship hard really, really has benefit. Because if you're just the, if you're just the, last, um, you know, the last rung of the ladder that people have to get by, people will find a way to go around you. And as opposed to come to you and say, I've, I've got a question, how can you help me? Um, so I, again, it's a it's a lot about relationships, but I put it I put it squarely in two camps. One is you have to ha- you have to build a relationship, and I I'll put this on CISOs if the the CIO is not not working to maintain that relationship. But quite frankly, it, it's shared, so everybody gets blamed. But do you think the data security related challenges or breaches when they happen? Is it attributed to CIO not doing their job, or you are left holding the bag as a CISO? Yeah, you know the um, if you if you look back to Equifax, um, there's a there's a, a Senate report that came out on that, and everybody got <laughs> everybody got in trouble there. Um, there was there was too many things that that didn't happen. Um, you know the I've done infrastructure and I've done. Um, security and when I've done the infrastructure side, you know, I knew that you know I have to take care for for uptime. I have to take care for making sure that my systems are available and reliable. If you're not managing those basics, then you're you're going away anyway. Um, so I really look at it more as it's it ends up being a shared responsibility. But at the end of the day, you know, if if there if there is an issue. Um, it, somebody's going to be left holding the bag, and, and quite frankly, it's, it's moving more towards not necessarily security, but it's moving higher up the ladder. Um, and, and so it, it makes my job even more important to make sure that I'm protecting you know, my organization but, but my senior executives. So you, you mentioned about the job and you know, number of jobs open and the talent shortage. Right, and then totally understand that you cannot just suddenly produce a million people. With that said, even people who, even organizations which have large teams, and they have MSSPs, you know, managed security services providers, even they are scrambling. Even they don't have their act together. I would never say it'll ever be 100%, but close to being together. So what are we missing? Um, you know what's what's interesting. Um, I have three kids. That my youngest is a is a sophomore in college, and I've tried to convince them to go into the security space. Um, you know, they look at they look at my schedule over the last thirty years, and and say, "Well, Dad didn't come home last night because he was working on a problem." Um, you know, I, I don't really want that. And so, what you have is a a lot of people that are in school today that are not choosing those 
those paths. Um, you know, it, when it gets right down to it, uh, security is a quite frankly a lot of time looking at spreadsheets, looking for looking for anomalies in data, um, and looking for things and, and thinking outside of what would be traditional for how you might be attacked. Um, one of the things that I'm starting to see is some of the immersion training. You have organizations like Google and Apple saying, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with not having a college degree. Um, that can help. Um, going back to some of the immersion training, there's, uh, there's an organization in Indianapolis that does immersion training and development. So they will take uh, 12 to 14 weeks and, and teach you, you know, Java or languages and and then they are taking kind of entry level positions, and those organizations are starting to do the same thing in the cybersecurity space. So they're building cyber ranges, they're building things where you can get trained, so you have an adequate level of skills to start. And I think, quite frankly, that's going to be more of you know more of what we see in the longer term, because it ends up being more of a of a trade as opposed to. You know, I've been classically trained in, you know, uh, my, my background was uh, I went to a liberal arts college and studied computer science and business. Um, but it's, you're, you're not going to have that, and, and people aren't willing to wait the, you know, the, the four years to, to get through school to start a job. I think some of the immersion programs are really going to help. And quite frankly, one of the things we're looking for in security is is a different way of thinking. It's not necessarily that you've been classically trained, but it's more you you think outside the box and look for things that are not not normal. It's hey, here's here's how I would go break something, um, and start looking at looking that way as opposed to well, I know things you know always follow a defined path, and in security they don't. Um, so you find some of your best folks that quite frankly are not uh, are not in what you would think is, hey, they went to college, they did this. Um, you know, I have a, a couple guys working for me that that have high school degrees, but you know, didn't go to college, and that's okay. Um, they're really, really good at what they do. And uh, I've had some folks in the past that uh, I had one guy that was a uh, he was mid fifties, had been in the army for a long time, and ran a warehouse. And he called me and said, I want to understand security. And I said, you're mid fifties. <clears throat> that's you know you're going to end up in a sock somewhere. Um, you know he I told him some classes to go to. He did that. He got a, a got his first job. He's he's making over six figures now working for a company doing uh, PCI stuff. I mean there's there's all kinds of ways for people to kind of break in and get you know get trained up. So it's uh, it's not going to be the classic way. It's going to be you know taking people and building them. So one is that we play catch up. And the reason I say that is because we have our infrastructure and our computing paradigms, the way we want to handle data, all that is shifting. And that is even disruptively shifting, not incrementally. And that's going to continue to happen. If we are to look at that as uh, a given, what are the possibilities of rethinking data security so that we could insulate to the maximum extent from from such fundamental shifts? Is that a possibility? I'm not expecting the CISOs to go to a two-week vacation to Hawaii and nothing will happen behind their back, because there will be. But could there be a fundamental rethinking that can happen by the security leaders versus always playing catch-up so that they can handle this ongoing madness? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit BlackBerry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? 
If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So we have spoken about challenges at people level, relationship level, processes level, and the data security, the beast it is, with so much changing fundamentally and incrementally. Could the security leadership and the folks who are at the forefront of handling or reimagining security start rethinking this whole thing a little bit. And, and so we can get ahead of this versus always fo- feeling like tired warriors. Is there something being done in that regard? And if yes, what? Yeah, I think really the, if, if I were to offer one piece of advice, <clears throat> and that is take, take a step back from your day-to-day job you know it may be worthwhile taking a taking a day and just you know thinking about how do we make things better so how do we move how do we move security forward in the design process so if if you had the ability as a CISO to say you know what I if I had three things that I want to start with at the very beginning that my development teams were doing you know are they encrypting things? Are they using certificates? Um, you know, how are they protecting it, and how are they building it into the design? I think that's a that's a day or two days of, you know, offsite thinking that's very valuable um, to take that step back and say, I, I have this this legacy stuff that I have to deal with. Got it. But for anything new, here's here's the path we're going to go down, and making it as low overhead as possible giving your development teams and business, quite frankly, the, the ability to run on anything new that they're building. Now, does that, does that fix the problem? No, but it, it starts to take away things that you're worried about nine months from now, 12 months from now, 18 months from now. So you can focus on those, those legacy things where, you know, 10 years ago, people didn't, didn't think about adding in security. So really, it's taking a step back and, and reimagining what's best for your organization. And quite frankly, what are the threats you're fighting? You know, again, if you're if you're worried about you know nation state stuff and and you're selling you're selling shoelaces, you know, not not something you should be worried about. Um, that's going to be a hard sell for your board of directors. But realistically, taking that time to to think about what are the you know, it's not ten things. Maybe it's three things that you want to get accomplished over the next 12 months. Let's talk about the, the solutions. I hear two types of problems. One is there are too many. It is tough to choose from. And secondly, everyone promises the moon, but it doesn't land that way when you try to look at the demos or even start using it. So if you look at data security, I'm, I'm sure there are different types of security domains, if you will, somebody has to manage. In data security domain, if you look at the solutions that are available, we don't necessarily need to take names here, but are they keeping up? Are they truly understanding and bringing solutions to the table which will solve your problem? And are they even alongside with you as leaders envision what's coming ahead and and getting up for that? Yeah, the, um, the the tool piece is interesting. Uh, I said earlier, I get thirty to forty pings a day on, you know, here's the here's the best product ever, and and quite frankly, most of the products that people have bought 
they they use fifteen percent of what's there. You know, so I, I think the the average on things like Microsoft Office is you use ten to fifteen percent of its capabilities. So if you're using ten to fifteen percent of your security products, um, you're you're buying an awful lot of things. Um, if I had one one piece of advice, it's it's go go exploit the tools you have. You know, uh, several years ago at a, <clears throat> a different company, the the CEO changed strategy uh, beginning of the year, and the the products that were that were selling well weren't cloud-based, so he wanted to change that. And so I knew right away that we wouldn't be able to, we weren't going to go buy a bunch of stuff. So the conversation I had with my engineers was, we're going to fully exploit the tools we have, and we're going to find that at the, the end of the year, we will have gotten more accomplished than if we went and bought you know, a whole new set of tools. And, and in a lot of ways, that actually worked out and it, it wasn't that, you know, there weren't things that we didn't need, and, but we used what we had and, and made it more valuable. I think that conversation with your senior leadership and, and with your board of directors, when you say, look, I have been able to, you know, I'm not at 100% utilization, but I'm using 65% of the tools I have, and there are specific things I need to go get, um, I think it's a much easier conversation than saying, oh, here's the new cool shiny thing. I need to go get that, and then it's going to go sit on the shelf. So I've, I've bought a bunch of products, but I'm, I'm not really using them. You know, I, I guess the question that I would ask, you know, people who say they're, you know, they're fully utilizing their tools is, can you be a reference for that company based on the, the depth to which you use those tools? And, uh, but, there's there's no shortage of new tools that solve something, you know the you know a lot of times you end up hearing the, you know artificial intelligence and uh, machine language and blockchain you know kind of the you end up playing bingo on you know you know who's going to say what, and and at the end of the day most solutions end up being you know trying to fix a problem that you may not have, as opposed to understanding what do we really need to get done and here's Here's how I go attack those things that are of a particular issue. On behalf of our show and the listeners, uh, thanks so much, Leon, for sharing your insights about how we can rethink our people, the processes, and the tools. And I'd say also rethink how we are being security leaders and how our counterparts in data and information leadership should work together to tame this data security beast. Thanks so much. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. Got a few nuggets out of this. Uh, please like us on Facebook. Search for CTN, that's CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn group. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. <laughs> 